Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have built this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've got to based on fiction. I'm Evan, the third host, and this is True Stories Based on Fiction, the podcast. Not to be confused with True Stories Based on Fiction, the YouTube channel. So this is going to be another edition of the Triple M uh, show. So that's March Movie Month. And this time we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about the the Netflix film Red Notice starring uh, TV's Rasslin's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, two guys, a girl in a pizza place is Ryan Reynolds, and the Fast and the Furious is Gail Godot. So, uh, this film basically it allowed Ryan Reynolds with his charisma to be in a movie with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his charisma. So, what happened when these two people's charisma combined in one movie? And it wanted to get somebody else who's pretty popular these days, being uh, Gail Godot, and also adds a little diversity to the cast. Like it, it, it's, it makes it a very good looking cast. So I definitely appreciated that. Um, <clears throat> now, people have accused this film of basically being Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne the Rock Johnson playing Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and Gail Godot just trying to kind of play Wonder Woman. Um, which is absolutely true. Uh, this movie is, like I said, this entire month, it's a good looking movie in regards to, in regards to how it's filmed, how, um, the cinematography is, the fight scenes, um, all that, <coughs> excuse me, all that jazz. It kind of reminded me, excuse me, mm. Of an eighties adventure movie was set obviously in modern day. Um the 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 twists and the turns and the plot devices I kinda saw a mile away. Uh this is gonna be kind of a short episode, honestly, because it's not really much I, I have to say about this film. It is it a watchable movie? Absolutely. Um is it something that I, I would have gone to the theaters to see? Absolutely not. But Although The Rock is a very charismatic person and he is Hollywood's sweetheart and he is, the, I think, the highest paid and the highest grossing actor in Hollywood right now, all of his movies and all of his roles seem to be the same. And none of them are very very intriguing to me. I remember, had to be 2015 or 16, uh, I went to go see one of the movies that was... I think it was the skyscraper one or the plane crash one. And granted, I was with a lady friend at the time. And we got a little, <laughs> you know, preoccupied, <laughs> if, you, if you catch my meaning. But yeah, like we walked out that bitch like 20 minutes in. And I feel like walking out of that movie in 20 minutes, I still didn't miss anything. Because the Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie is going to be a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Um, 
I would much rather just see uh, The Rock, not even in the WWE wrestling. I would much rather see The Rock just be doing his Instagram posts and just being like a, a motivational character. Um, I, I have a, I think it was Dan Brazilian, Brazilian, uh, who said that what he hates about The Rock is how inauthentic he is. And I have to agree. Although The Rock doesn't seem super fake, but he does come off to be a little disingenuous to me. And speaking of Fast and Furious, with Gil Godot came from, I kind of take Vin Diesel's side in that whole beef they had due to the fact that I feel like The Rock will come on a movie set, could he call him uh, Franchise Viagra, but he'll come on a movie set or something that he's an invited guest on and try to take over. Like, apparently what Dwayne The Rock Johnson would do, he would have cast meetings and do speeches and shit like, bro, this is not the place for you to do that. This is a Vin Diesel, Paul Walker vehicle, and they are the producers and the spearheads of it. Now, uh, now mainly Vin Diesel, now because of poor, due to the unfortunate passing of Paul Walker, R.I.P. So if I if I was the head of a production and a hired gun, a hired gun's ego is so high, um, so large that he tried to take over my set. I would be offended too. And then for The Rock to come on Instagram and start talking about all my metalcore mates, I mean, co-stars are candy asses and all this fucking shit, um, was kind of, I think it was, The Rock can't play well with others. He's an alpha who has to be in charge. Now, Vin Diesel has gone out of, out of his way to look like an idiot in the simp doing things the way that he does them. But at the same time, I think that uh, he's doing the. I I think that his reaction to it is very childish and puts him in a very poor light. But I see how I can understand how he would feel if I built something and someone who's new comes in and tries to take over. Um, that's obviously a tangent. <laughs> how I, I even got on that tangent. But back to Red Notice, okay? So Red Notice is essentially a heist movie where Ryan Reynolds is, of course, the one of the top two uh, treasure thieves in the entire world, and the top person is trying to find. And all of the criminals in the world, thieves, are trying to find these basically red herrings, or no, not a red herring, trying to find these MacGuffins of these eggs. So that's where we get The Rock coming in uh, with his turtleneck and his fucking red jacket. He plays a, a cop who's on the hunt for Ryan Reynolds' character. So, hilarity ensues, and The Rock gets framed for a crime that he didn't commit by Gail Godot. So him and Ryan Reynolds go to jail together, and they must kind of team up together in order to try to put a stop to her. But along the way, she bamboozles them into helping her find all three of these eggs. Uh, and then, spoiler alert, um, you find out in the end, which was, a, I guess it was a decent twist. I still kind of saw it coming, and it wasn't a very shocking twist. But the Wayne The Rock Johnson is in cahoots with Gail Godot the entire time, and they're just playing Ryan Reynolds for a sap and for a fool. 
Um, that's essentially the plot of the movie. And like I said, it's a pretty much a throwaway movie. But if you're a person who's just like going to the movies and turning your brain off, it is really good for that. There are some high octane action set pieces, and the dialogue is funny because, of course, you got Ryan Reynolds working off of uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They both have their brands that they own representing the movie uh, Terramana Tequila and, Avia- and Aviation Gen, which I don't mind the product placement. That's part of their collective brands. Um, yeah. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. My favorite Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie is probably uh, Hobbs and Shaw. That movie was actually pretty good. Um, this one, like I said, if if it's on, it's good for that. It's a good Netflix and chill movie because you've got a lady friend over. You, you want to watch something to where you guys can still talk, have a conversation while you're watching the movie. This is perfect for that. Um, something... Basically, something you don't have to pay attention to as you watch it. <clears throat> but <clears throat> as the action scenes come on, you'll stop what you're doing. If it's making out, if it's cleaning, and check those out, then go back to cleaning. Um, the weak link of the movie is unfortunately Gal Gadot. I don't know what she has to do. I'm not sure if she just isn't a good actor, or if she isn't giving good roles, or if her accent is a barrier. She's good in Wonder Woman in small doses, like the part she had in Batman v Superman. Um, but I didn't find I, I didn't find her character to be believable. Um, in her monotone acting, she's almost like a a female Ryan Gosling to the point where her acting is very one note, one level. She doesn't really go up or down in her cadence. And it just isn't that good, honestly. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Yeah, this is going to (laughs) be kind of a short episode due to the fact that, yeah, there's not really much. I I thought I had more to say about this movie than I do, obviously. Um... I guess I guess we'll talk about this. Although I didn't personally enjoy it that much, uh, apparently it is the highest viewed Netflix original film of all time, and it's been greenlit for I believe one, if not two, sequels already. I'm not sure if it's going to be Green Notice, Red Notice Time Two, uh, fucking just Red Notice Two, Red Notice Colon Goldberg's here or some shit. Um, so yeah, that shows my opinion. Doesn't matter. But let me say this. For people who accuse me of sometimes being too harsh on things that I critique. Now, uh, when you critique a movie, and then people say, if you don't make movies, you shouldn't be able to critique it. That's not the case. In the history of art, there's always been art critics. And as people who have an educated view of what good art is, subjectively and objectively. And they're able to illustrate uh, the points and defend their stance on how they believe that these forms of artwork go. Now, people say that I'm harsh on movies and comic books, anything that I grade on our drunk Iron Man scale, but I want you all to kind of get a background on how I look at these projects. 
uh, when I was in college, I think it was English two something with uh, Mr. Magenti, I believe, at Delta College in University Center, Michigan. It was English. It was an English class, but he broke it down for us and how to read something from a critical eye, which would in turn teach us to be better writers of composition. So it was a composition class, but we read a lot of literature, and and he taught us how to read something critically. So he taught us to analyze themes, analyze different narrative tools. I can't think of them all right now because, as you guys know, this is a stream of consciousness podcast, so I don't have notes written down. But essentially, he taught us to recognize themes and motifs of writing. And I've taken that to heart, being that I am a person who also creates art from time to time in different mediums. Um, And it definitely opened my eyes on what to look for to see there's a difference, okay, between something being enjoyable to me and something being good. I think that I can't speak for everyone else on this podcast network, but I think that they might grade in a lot of your average listeners and people who consume pop culture grade things based on enjoyment alone. Enjoyment is a pretty decent factor in it. But to me, when I review something professionally, it actually being good weighs higher than me enjoying it. Unless it's something that I really enjoyed. There was something... I think it might have been Spider-Man No Way Home. To where the plot had problems, but I still gave it a 10 out of 10 drunk Iron Man due to the fact that I enjoyed it so much that it overrode any of my preconceived... Not preconceived notions, but it overrode any misgivings that the plot may have given me. But that's rare. It is rare that a film or whatever that I'm reviewing can be so enjoyable that it outweighs if it's actually good. Good meaning that the plot makes sense. There's a very few plot holes. Some people said, man, you got to turn your brain off. I'm not a person who likes to turn my brain off when I'm engaging in media. But a plot has to make sense. You have to have a seed and a plant. If you put something in Act 1, it has to pay off in Act 3. And then if you have a character, and every character has to have an arc, every main character at least, and some minor characters too. If there isn't an arc for a character in there, to me, the score is going to go down. So that's why some of the things that I rate may seem like I'm rating them harshly because I'm using the criteria that I learned in my academic life. How to write something not on if it's not on if I enjoyed it, but on if it delivered on its promise and if it was a cohesive body of work. And like I said, and and off of the themes that it introduces and, and how those themes carry on to the actual material. So I just wanted to uh, let you guys know about that to kind of give you some edification on how I look at these things now. For a drunk Iron Man score of the Netflix original film Red Notice. Um I will give that motherfucker Speaking of grading things harshly. So well let me let's go back for a second too. Also, 
we were taught and educated on how to find a cliche or a trope. Now, tropes and cliche aren't necessarily a bad thing if you are elevating it or if you're being um, subversive of a trope or a cliche or if you're doing it for a comedic purpose to spotlight that critique, I mean, that, that uh, trope or cliche. The Red Notice had tropes and cliche, but I would argue that it didn't do them effectively and it didn't do any of the things that I just said. So because of that, those tropes and cliches are just very cliche and not in a good way. Um, so that being said, I would actually, I would actually give, uh, Red Notice five out of ten drunk Iron Man, middle of the road. Watchable, like I said, under the circumstances I told you guys about before, with nothing to write home about, nothing I ever need to watch again, nothing I'll watch and try to think about how the plot went from A, B to C, because it doesn't do those things, and maybe it's not supposed to. The average consumer would love this movie, and I'm sh- and obviously they did, but I'm just not the average consumer. Um, so pretty much that's it. I probably, now that I'm recording this, I'm realizing that I probably should have picked the movie that I had more of a connection to, to where one that I could talk about for a longer period of time. This might be one of the shortest episodes of the podcast in at least the last four or five years. Um, and I apologize for that, but, and next time I'll try to pick a movie that I could speak to more, uh, but that's what it is, and that's how the podcast is going for this couple of weeks until we get things back on track. So hopefully you enjoyed this 20-something-minute podcast, and we'll talk next time on True Stories Based on Fiction.